All right, today we continue through the Gospel of Luke, and today we come to chapter 10. And uh, this is one of the most popular parables of our Lord concerning the Good Samaritan. And I pray that you'll have a fresh, new approach to understanding this parable that our Lord gave. And um, we're going to talk about love this Sunday using this parable and uh, another parable uh, next Sunday as well. Um, Just a little hint to the guys, uh, Valentine's Day is coming. Valentine's Day is coming. So, um, and don't just go buy her a card. And don't just, don't just go buy her a card. Make her one. Make her one. You, you can think up something nice, <laughs> something sweet and affectionate. Um, make her a card this time. And, um, yeah, don't just do the same old thing. Don't give Kroger all your money at the flower shop. Do something creative, something that will make her think a little bit more about what real love is. It's kind of what Jesus is doing here in Luke chapter 10. Uh, Jesus encounters a lawyer. Now, this lawyer is not like a civil lawyer in, in the court system. He would be a religious leader. He would be like one of the Sanhedrin or Pharisee, and, uh, he, which meant he knew his Bible by memory. I mean, he could recite most of the first five books of the Bible simply by memory. And um, this man comes to Jesus to ask him about his uh, relationship with God and e- eternal life. And Jesus uses this insightful parable to bring home a heavenly truth to him. Now, what is a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And the earthly part of this story is, if you've ever seen anybody on hard times, if you've ever seen anybody that's hurting, broken, and helpless, um, that would be the earthly part of the story that we're about to read. The heavenly application here is mind-boggling. And I hope I pray by the Holy Spirit's leadership today, I can take you there to help you see this mind-blowing, mind-boggling. I mean, the lawyer, once Jesus got to the Good Samaritan story, literally his eyes would have been like this. If you knew his background, it would have been shocking to him to understand what God's love is really, really all about. This parable is about the love of God. And so uh, we begin reading in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 25 through 37. Are you ready? Let's pray before we start. Father, we thank you for the truth that we're going to hear today. Speak to us, Lord, in a, in a creative, special way. Uh, help us to have uh, open hearts, open ears to spiritual understanding, to spiritual truth. Uh, Father, Remove all distractions, I pray, from this, from this place. Whether it be a cell phone or an old memory, Lord, may we just shut all that out, shut those doors, and listen for your Holy Spirit to speak to us from your Word. Anoint, God, the reading of your Word, and anoint this stuttering preacher to help him explain, as you would have us to know, this amazing, mind-blowing love of God. Thank you for your love, Lord. 
and that you love each of us with a faithful, faithful, faithful love. In Christ's name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. And the lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Let me pause here. Um, when Jesus asked him, What did the law say? Can you imagine him trying to recite all of the 600 commands that the Pharisees tried to uphold and honor from the Scriptures? Much less the Ten Commandments, which is kind of like the basis of all the rules and regulations that the Jewish religion had. But it was the tradition of every rabbi to, cons to, to bring a concise or capsule kind of uh, way of understanding what is the essence of all these 600 plus laws that they honored. What, what was the real capsule essence? And the capsule essence is two scriptures, one from Deuteronomy and then one from the book of Le Leviticus. And that's what the lawyer is quoting here. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That would be from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then from Le Leviticus, um, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Good for you, he's saying. That's right. Do this and you will live. Now watch what the lawyer says. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? Now, if you were a Pharisee or a Sadducee, you were very conscious about who you hung out with, who you did associate with and who you did not associate with were delineated very clearly. You did not associate with the unclean, those who were bleeding, those who were, um, who were not blessed of God to have a lot of stuff in life. You didn't associate with lepers. You didn't associate with half-Jews. Well, who would be a half-Jew? A half-Jew was called a Samaritan. Because they lived in Samaria. But they were half-Jews because when the Assyrian Empire took over the Holy Land and, and Jerusalem fell, uh, the Assyrians took into exile the, the, the top echelon of the Jews. And after 70 years, they returned back home. But the Assyrians did not take away into exile all of the Jews. Those who remained in the Holy Land intermarried with the Babylonian people who were brought into Israel. So you had Arabic kind of people who were brought into the Holy Land and the Jews intermarried with them. And 70 years later, when the exiled Jews came back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem, there were these half-breed Jews. And they were so angry that these Jews did not keep the rules of the Bible, that you did not intermarry with non-Jews. They were so mad and so angry with them 
when these half-breed Jews who were called Samaritans wanted to help the full-blooded Jews who came back home to rebuild the temple, when they offered to help them, they said, No, we cannot associate with you. We can't work with you. We can't do God's work with you because you're not full-breed Jew. And so this tension was around all the time. In fact, a Pharisee, who was supposed to be a full-blooded Jew, if he had to travel through the land of Samaria, he wouldn't walk through that territory. He would find a way around it. He would find a way around it. Is there a part of Lowell that you don't drive through? Because you don't want to associate and be seen with certain people? Now you begin to see some of the tension that's going on here. And we live with that same tension today. So in order to justify himself, well, just who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied and said, here's the parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. And they stripped him, they beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. Now hear that. Let that soak in. This man was a true victim of his circumstances. Now we've seen a lot of injured people these days, and we say, well, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Or, you know, he was probably doing something illegal himself, and he got caught up in that crowd. There's no explanation here of why this injured Samaritan is in the condition he's in. He was a victim. For whatever reason, he was half dead. Verse 31 says, And by chance a priest was going down on the road, and, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. See, the priest didn't want to be considered unclean. If he got close to this man that was wounded and injured, he would have to go and, and, and ceremoniously cleanse himself before he could participate in his his work, his religious duty at the temple. And also a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, this is the half-Jew. This is the one that's not the neighbor of the Pharisee, who was on a journey, came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged, bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. Uh, that's called in the military. Anybody know what that's called? Self-aid and buddy care, right? All right, that's what he did. And he put him, and he put him on his, uh, his beast and brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii. Now, that would be... Uh, about equivalent to two months' wages. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, Well, the one who showed mercy toward him. And then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. 
We're talking today about the love of God. As demonstrated by the Good Samaritan in this parable that Jesus gives to the lawyer. God's love, we learn from this passage, is always other person focused. God's love is always other person focused. The Bible says very clearly if we could capsulize the Ten Commandments or the law of the Old Testament, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and your neighbors yourself. If we could capsulize the Word of God in one scripture, it would be John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He what? He gave. He gave. He gave. God created you and me, and He did not say, good luck down there, do the best you can down there. But he recognized that we were going to sin and he would lose us because of our sin. And he prepared a way that we could be redeemed, forgiven, saved from our sin by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, which paid the price of our sin. God always takes the initiative to demonstrate a generous Abundant, giving, self-giving love. That's just who God is. In contrast to the world, we're always taking love from other people. We want to receive love. There's something about love that we have to have just to sort of breathe. Uh, We were created to have a love relationship with someone or something. And so in our lifetime, we're always taking love from other people. But God is always giving love to us. So the world takes love away. God is always giving love. There is a religious tendency in all of us. We want the requirement of life defined for us so that we don't do more than what is absolutely necessary But Jesus turns the table in this parable and says, Like the love of God, we too are to love as God loves. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And this highest of all standards of love is the love of God. And Jesus says to the the lawyer, If you can love like this, you can go to heaven. Now what Jesus is doing is He's setting him up for a time, kind of like a trap, if you will. Because as Jesus teaches this young lawyer, the lawyer begins to realize he can't love like that. That high standard of God's love, he just can't reach that. He can't do that. It's not in him to love that way. And what the Scripture teaches all of us, if we can love perfectly, we can live eternally. What's the problem? We can't love perfectly. We are injured and we are wounded too by the sin of our life and we have trouble understanding what genuine love is really all about. Genuine love is demonstrated on the cross of Jesus Christ where Jesus willingly, even though he was not guilty, what willingly gave his life to pay our sin debt because we could not pay for our sins. We cannot love perfectly in order to get into heaven, but Jesus did. He kept the law perfectly, he lived a perfect life, and he died as a perfect sacrifice 
for your sin and for mine. It is the essence of all of us to want that kind of love. Somebody that will love us unconditionally. Somebody that will be faithful to love us. Somebody that will accept us like we are. Somebody that will say, I love you regardless. I just love you. I don't love you because I don't love you if I just love you and I accept you. All of us have that longing in our heart for someone to love us that way. And the truth is, the love of God is the only love that loves you that way. God's love is always other person focused. Buddha, Confucius, Mohammed, they will say, here are the rules, here's the law, justify yourself. And that's what the lawyer was trying to do. He was trying to justify himself, the Bible says. And that's why he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Because he's looking back on himself, his own track record, and thinking, have I been a good person? Have I been a loving person? As he reflects back on his childhood, he reflects back on his school uh, years, his young adult days, have I treated people good? Have I been kind? Have I been compassionate to other people? And he's thinking, you know, I have. Well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus shocks him with the story that we're about to get, to get into. And as we get into the story, we find the second point of truth about the love of God. Not only is the love of God other person focused, but the love of God is also another kingdom motivated, supernaturally motivated. Now there are three characters in this, in this story. I want us to think about those three characters in the Good Samaritan story. One character or a group of characters are the robbers, the thieves, that have tried to steal from this injured person. And they beat him, and he's half dead. He's barely breathing. His nose is bloody. His mouth is bloody as well. His ribs are broken, I'm sure. He's probably got a concussion. And because his ribs are broken, he could probably breathe at all. When the thieves and the robbers approach this man, what's going through their mind about what they can get from him. Here's what's going through their mind. What's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine to take. That's the mental mindset of the thieves, the robbers, in the Good Samaritan story. Now, is that love? No, far from it. Far from it. And then Jesus said, along comes two religious guys. A group, you had a group of thieves and you have a group of re religious guys. They are, they are Pharisees and they're Levites as well. And they look at this guy that's injured and he's broken and bleeding and they walk around him. What is their mindset? Now remember, the mindset of the thieves was what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. What would have been the mindset of the Levites? Their mindset would have been, what is mine is mine, and what's yours is not my concern. What's mine is mine, and what happens to yours is not my concern. 
What happens to you is not my concern. Not my concern. Is that love? Is that love? No. And then comes along this half-breed Samaritan. This half-breed Samaritan sees the man, applies self-aid and buddy care to this fellow. He puts oil on him. He puts wine on him. He washes the, the wounds there. He puts him on his vehicle, which would be a donkey at that time. And he carries him to an inn. And by the way, he's not so busy that he doesn't have time to help a helpless person. I think sometimes we get too busy to help a helpless person. And he takes this guy to the inn and he says to the innkeeper, here's, here's somebody that's injured. Here's two, two months wages for you to keep him so that he can get well. I will come back and if you need more funds for his rehabilitation, I will pay for it. How many of you would like to go to the ER, get treated, and somebody come along and say, I'll write the check for the hospital? Would you like to, would you like to have that? Huh? Would you like to have that, that kind of help? Well, absolutely you would. Absolutely you would. What's going through the mind of the good Samaritan? What's going through his brain? What's his attitude? Now remember, the attitude of the thieves was what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. The attitude of the Levite was what's mine is mine and what's yours is no concern to me. The Samaritan's framework, the Samaritan's attitude, the Samaritan's theology, if you will, what's mine is not mine to keep so I can share mine with you. What's mine is not mine to keep, but I can share mine with you. Folks, that's real love. Because real love is generous. Real, real love is compassionate. Real love is sacrificial. Sacrificial. Real love gives knowing that you will never get in return. Real love begins when you see that you are loved that way by Christ, by God. For God so loved the world that He said, if you do this and that, He said, because you are something special, I will love you. No, God so loved the world that He gave. That is genuine love. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the way we treat other people who are the most broken, now hear this, the way we treat people who are the most broken, marginalized, neediest, even of another race, is evidence that God's love lives in us. Unlike the Pharisee who prayed the Jewish man prayer every day. You know what the Jewish man prayer is? You ever heard the Jewish man prayer? It goes like this. And they prayed it three times a day. Here's the Jewish man prayer. 
Lord, I thank you for the day that I was born a male Jew. Now, ladies, keep the tomatoes down there. Don't be throwing them at me. All right, don't get up and leave church today. I'm just the messenger, okay? But this was the Jewish man prayer. Lord, I thank you for the day that I was born a male Jew. I thank you that I was not born a woman, nor a Gentile, a dog, especially a Samaritan. Remember, I told you that the Jews would not even let the Samaritans help them rebuild the temple. Which one showed real love toward the injured Samaritan? The one that was taken advantage of, the one that was helpless, the one that was broken. Was it the thief who said, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine? Was it the Levite who said, what's mine is mine and what's yours is no business of mine? Or was it this good Samaritan who was not allowed in church who said, what's mine is no longer mine, so I can share it with you. All that I have is given to me by God. You say, but preacher, I work. I work for what I have, and I'm not sharing it with anybody. Well, who gave you the health to work? Who gave you the brain to think? It is all a gift from God. A gift from God. So I really don't own or deserve anything. It's not mine. It belongs to the Lord. And the way I show appreciation for what God has given me is I share with others. Jesus said it this way. When you see those who are helpless, marginalized, those who are beaten down and broken in this world, those who are in prison, yeah, they've got an addiction. 80% of the people who are in prison right now are there because of an addictive habit, the result of an addictive habit. And you saw me in prison and you visited me. And you saw me hungry and you fed me. And you saw me without clothing, and you gave clothing to me. And I was hungry, and you fed me. He says, as you've done it unto these, hear this, hear this, hear this. You've done it also unto me. If you want to experience God, love like God loves. Sacrificially, generously, even with some risk giving even so it may hurt, expecting nothing in return. Stories told of a woman who was wealthy but had no children to leave her estate. But she did have one nephew that she was sort of suspicious of, and this nephew was supposed to receive her estate. But before she just let the court decide that he would get it, she decided to find out who he, what he was really like because when he was with her, he was nice, he was kind, he was compassionate, and um, you could tell he kind of, you know, went a little overboard. And I always suspicion people are a little bit overboard on their niceness, you know. And she felt like this guy must be a phony. 
So she decided to dress as a homeless vagrant and sit on his doorsteps. Well, the young nephew found out she was on his doorstep, and when he saw her on the doorstep, he treated her rudely, he treated her coarsely, and he threatened her. And now his aunt knew what he was really, really like. A day of judgment is coming where God will separate the sheep from the goats. Jesus said, those who are the sheep are those who knew I was ill and you visited me, you prayed with me. Those who were homeless and you ministered to me. Those who were helpless and, you, and broken and you ministered unto me. Welcome into my inheritance for you, heaven. And then he said there's going to be the goat side of the day of judgment. And the day of judgment is going to be, you saw me naked, hungry, in prison, and you did nothing. He said, depart from me, for I never knew you. That's the day of judgment test about do we love as God loves. It is an indicator. When we love as God loves, it is an indicator that God lives in us. That through the Holy Spirit, we have had a true transformational experience with Christ, and that transformational experience with Christ makes us like Him. And there's evidence in our life story that we have helped the helpless. We have helped the helpless. There's another character in this story we've not talked about. Do you know who it is? It's me and you. It's me and you. Which one are we in this story? I think we are the ones that have been victimized by sin. We are the ones that are helpless because of our sin. We are the ones that are broken because of our sin. We are the ones that God in His love came and gave us all that we needed and more. He gave us healing of our spiritual disease, which is sin. He gave us eternal life, which is our greatest need because of His love. And because He came to us and risked His life for us and gave His life for us and sacrificed more than we could pay back, The victim in this story could not pay back what was given to him by this good Samaritan. Christ has given us more than we can repay. The last point of our message is God's love is none other than mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. And we can never repay all that God has done for us. And we cannot earn what we need in terms of salvation except to say, Christ, I believe in you. I trust you to put my life together. I trust your death and sacrifice on the cross to pay my sin debt. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for giving me 
of my sin and put me back on the road again to life so that I will not be dead in my sin. Maybe there's somebody over here today that needs to give your life to the Lord. You need to realize that you don't know how to love until you know the love of God. You'll never love perfectly, so you can't earn your way into heaven. Only through Christ and the sin debt that he paid. Maybe somebody in this center section. Maybe somebody over here. It's your day. It's your time to commit your life to Christ. And I'm asking you to come during this invitation. Just walk up here. I'll pray a prayer with you. But by walking up here, you're saying to the whole world, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. I'm trusting his death, burial, and resurrection to forgive me of my sin. Why don't you come this morning? Let's stand together quietly. Heads bowed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your undying love, your sacrificial love, love that paid our sin debt greater than we could repay. Lord, thank you. We praise your name. Thank you for giving us the heart of Christ and the mind of Christ through your Holy Spirit when we give our life to you. And I pray now during this invitation time, Lord, that you'll be honored by the decisions that are made. We pray all this for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.